Chapter Thirteen of the Ghost Ship and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ghost Ship and Other Stories by Richard Middleton. The Conjurer. Certainly the audience was restive in the first place it felt that it had been defrauded seeing that sissy bradford whose smiling face adorned the bills outside had failed to appear and secondly it considered that the deputy for that famous lady was more than inadequate to the little man who sweated in the glare of the limelight and juggled desperately with glass balls in a vain effort to steady his nerve it was apparent that his turn was a failure and as he worked he could have cried with disappointment for his was a trial performance and a year's engagement in the hennings group of music halls would have rewarded success yet his tricks things that he had done with the utmost ease a thousand times had been a succession of blunders rather mirth-provoking than mystifying to the audience presently one of the glass balls fell crashing on the stage and amidst the jeers of the gallery he turned to his wife who served as his assistant i've lost my chance he said with a sob i can't do it never mind dear she whispered there's a nice steak and onions at home for supper it's no use he said despairingly i'll try the disappearing trick and then get off i'm done here he turned back to the audience ladies and gentlemen he said to the mockers in a wavering voice i will now present to you the concluding item of my entertainment i will cause this lady to disappear under your very eyes without the aid of any mechanical contrivance or artificial device this was the merest showman's patter for as a matter of fact it was not a very wonderful illusion but as he led his wife forward to present her to the audience the conjurer was wondering whether the mishaps that had ruined his chance would meet him even here if something should go wrong he felt his wife's hand tremble in his and he pressed it tightly to reassure her he must make an effort an effort of will and then no mistakes would happen for a second the lights danced before his eyes then he pulled himself together if an earthquake should disturb the curtains and show molly creeping ignominiously away behind he would still meet his fate like a man he turned round to conduct his wife to the little alcove from which she should vanish she was not on the stage for a minute he did not guess the greatness of the disaster then he realized that the theatre was intensely quiet and that he would have to explain 
that the last item of his programme was even more of a fiasco than the rest owing to a sudden indisposition his skin tingled at the thought of the hooting his tongue rasped upon cracking lips as he braced himself and bowed to the audience then came the applause again and again it broke out from all over the house while the curtain rose and fell and the conjurer stood on the stage mute uncomprehending what had happened at first he had thought they were mocking him but it was impossible to misjudge the nature of the applause besides the stage manager was allowing him call after call as if he were a star when at length the curtain remained down and the orchestra struck up the opening bars of the next song he staggered off into the wings as if he were drunk there he met mr james hennings himself you'll do said the great man that last trick was neat you ought to polish up the others though i suppose you don't want to tell me how you did it well well come in the morning and we'll fix up a contract and so without having said a word the conjurer found himself hustled off by the vaudeville napoleon mr hennings had something more to say to his manager bit rum he said did you see it queerest thing we've ever struck how was it done do you think can't imagine there one minute on his arm gone the next no trap or curtain or anything money in it eh biggest hit of the century i should think i'll go and fix up a contract and get him to sign it to-night get on with it and mr james hennings fled to his office meanwhile the conjurer was wandering in the wings with the drooping heart of a lost child what had happened why was he a success and why did people stare so oddly and what had become of his wife when he asked them the stagehands laughed and said they had not seen her why should they laugh he wanted her to explain things and hear their good luck but she was not in her dressing-room she was not anywhere for a moment he felt like crying then for the second time that night he pulled himself together after all there was no reason to be upset he ought to feel very pleased about the contract however it had happened it seemed that his wife had left the stage in some queer way without being seen probably to increase the mystery she had gone straight home in her stage dress and had succeeded in dodging the stage door keeper it was all very strange but of course there must be some simple explanation like that he would take a cab home and find her there already there was a steak and onions for supper as he drove along in the cab he became convinced that his theory was right 
molly had always been clever and this time she had certainly succeeded in surprising everybody at the door of his house he gave the cabman a shilling for himself with a light heart he could afford it now he ran up the steps cheerfully and opened the door the passage was quite dark and he wondered why his wife hadn't lit the gas molly he cried molly the small weary-eyed servant came out of the kitchen on a savoury wind of onions hasn't missus come home with you sir she said the conjurer thrust his hand against the wall to steady himself and the pattern of the wallpaper seemed to burn his fingertips not here he gasped at the frightened girl then where is she where is she i i i don't know sir she began stuttering but the conjurer turned quickly and ran out of the house of course his wife must be at the theatre it was absurd ever to have supposed that she could leave the theatre in her stage dress unnoticed and now she was probably worrying because he had not waited for her how foolish he had been it was a quarter of an hour before he found a cab and the theatre was dark and empty when he got back to it he knocked at the stage door and the night watchman opened it my wife he cried there's no one here now sir the man answered respectfully for he knew that a new star had risen that night the conjurer leant against the doorpost faintly take me up to the dressing-rooms he said i want to see whether she has been there while i was away the watchman led the way along the dark passages i shouldn't worry if i were you sir he said she can't have gone far he did not know anything about it but he wanted to be sympathetic god knows the conjurer muttered i can't understand this at all in the dressing-room molly's clothes still lay neatly folded as she had left them when they went on the stage that night and when he saw them his last hope left the conjurer and a strange thought came into his mind i should like to go down on the stage he said and see if there's anything to tell me of her the night watchman looked at the conjurer as if he thought he was mad but he followed him down to the stage in silence when he was there the conjurer leaned forward suddenly and his face was filled with a wistful eagerness molly he called molly molly but the empty theatre gave him nothing but echoes in reply End of chapter thirteen